I'm Maya Chupkov, and I'm a woman who stutters. Welcome to Proud Stutter, a show about stuttering and embracing verbal diversity in an effort to change how we talk about it, one conversation at a time. Welcome back to Proud Stutter. We are doing something a little different today. I had a conversation a few weeks ago with Simone Robinson on her podcast, The Clutter Queen, and we had such a wonderful chat that I thought I would rebroadcast it as a special bonus episode for Proud Stutter. So a little bit about The Clutter Queen. It's a podcast and it features talks about Simone's own struggles with speech disfluency and she interviews guests about their various disabilities. You can find a link to her podcast in the show notes. Simone is the Director of Programming at Art Possible Ohio, where she helps facilitate artist workshops, film screenings, and panel discussions that focus on artists with disabilities. Simone's portfolio consists of work that speaks to the viewers both visually and conceptually. Her art centers around the idea of what it means to be creative outside of being comfortable. Simone is currently working on the beginning stages of a documentary series called Did I Stutter? This series will focus on the importance of inclusivity within communication and bringing awareness to what it means to have communication differences in various communities, such as work environments, schools, higher education, and other communities as well. Her hope is that this series becomes the catalyst for people to see others on screen who communicate differently from mainstream media, and that this will inspire them to pursue whatever they want in life. So in this episode of The Clutter Clean, excuse me, The Clutter Queen, we talk about the intersections between cluttering and stuttering, our very different experiences with speech therapy. We talk about public speaking during class, problematic headlines in the media, thinking you can't do certain things, and much more. I'm honored and grateful to have been invited to be on Simone's podcast. And without further ado, here's the episode. Okay, everyone. Hi, I have with me today Maya um, from the podcast Proud Stutter. Um, we actually met only on Zoom. She's she's living in California, so we've actually met on Zoom once. I went to one of her stuttering um like community sessions on Zoom and they're a lot of fun. I think there was like twelve of us or like fifteen of us total. It was a pretty large group, a really great showing. And we discussed a lot about um stuttering and like having a speech disability. As you guys know, I clutter, I don't stutter, but it was just nice when being other people who um, you know, have speech disabilities and talking about their experiences and mine and how they kind of like I guess integrate together together in many ways I feel like your entire story is just like I don't know I feel like it's very um obviously interesting but I just love it like I, I don't know when I first your first podcast episode I found love their podcast because I couldn't find a podcast on stuttering I don't think I feel like back when I was researching about it like this summer, like it was really hard to find. Like I found a lot about anxiety and like mental health, but not a lot about um, stuttering or any kind of speech fluency, especially cluttering. There aren't much out there. So when I heard yours, I was like, oh, finally, like someone actually like talked about this stuff, like through a podcast and hearing you stutter on the podcast and just sounding like yourself and being your authentic self was just very refreshing. And I just love your stories too that you have on there. 
Um, so I kind of want to go to your background a little bit. So um, I know that you uh, mentioned in your podcast that you do covert stuttering. And I didn't know what that was until you mentioned it in your podcast. And I was like, what is that? Because I always thought, I mean, because my own personal experiences, I did try to cover up my cluttering for a long time, but I did it. My method of covering up was either not talking or like saying like short sentences. Like I would never go on like long spiels about stuff because I was always afraid that I would either like run over words or I would merge words together or it would just come out like very mumbled. And I did, I just hated that part about my, my speech. So I kind of want to go in depth about your background when it came to stuttering, like how you became an overt stutterer or how you began to accept um, stuttering. Also diagnosis story too. I was diagnosed when my parents took me to um, a private speech therapist for the, the first time. I realized and my parents realized that this was a thing that was, you know, it wasn't going away anytime soon or it wouldn't go away naturally. And so I really did not like speech therapy. It was very tiring for me. And I just felt like by using the techniques that I was taught, which I never really used in real life because I didn't like them, it was kind of like hiding my personality in, in a way. And I just, it didn't feel good with me to constantly try to change my voice to, to fit something that I just wasn't comfortable with. So, so that was really a big part of my therapy journey and i stopped doing that after like i don't even remember i i'm just gonna get, guess it was like seven months of speech therapy i never wanted to think about my stutters i was going through like middle school and high school and even so so like a little bit college because it was just something i didn't want to admit that i had and i didn't want to just acknowledge it because the more I acknowledge it, the more it's like a real thing. And so I didn't really learn to accept my stutter until I ended up doing the podcast and really felt that this is such a good idea for a podcast because it's really filling a much needed gap. There were a few experiences leading up to me just going head first into being open about my stutter. Yeah, that was a great answer. I think there's many similarities between our stories, even though we have different speech fluencies. I think um, I went to speech therapy too. I only had one session when I was in, I think, middle school. And it was my choice. Like, I I, I think, I want to say K through eighth grade. I went to K through, K through eighth school. So when I was there, like, a lot of my friends, like, knew how I talked and, like, I can go and I like I can go on very fast tangents and they just like they're like whatever it's just like how she talks so it didn't like bother me I think once I hit middle school and you know like you go through changes and hormones all that stuff I'm just more like more curious about okay like why do I talk so fast when I get emotional and so I went to a speech therapist and we talked and I she like had me read this like story to her like this like one or two paragraph story a very short thing and then she was like, well, you sound fine to me. And I was like, okay, well, this is like literally no help. And she didn't really give me any other tips because I think back then she didn't really know what cluttering was. And I didn't either. Like, I just thought that she knew, you know, why I talk best and what I can do to like help myself calm down. 
Um, but she was just like barely any help. So <laughs> I kind of just moved on from that, not really trying to go back because I didn't really think it was a, a need anymore. And then as I got older, I think I became more conscious about my speech and fluency and everything and what I could do to make it, I don't want to say go away, but just understand more because I really didn't know. And mind you, like a lot of my family members, I'm half Caribbean, so a lot of them talk fast anyway, but Again, I think with me, I just really wanted to understand why that was um, the case. Um, so when did you start notice, noticing your stutter? Like when did the idea in your head become, okay, I want to hide this. Like when did that idea start for you? Oh my gosh, I wish I knew. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I've realized through talking with other stutters and just talking about my own story is that I don't remember a lot of memories around my stutter. And I think a lot of it is probably psychological and repressed memories. And I do want to like try to, you know, go like see if I can recall them, you know, through like a, a psychiatrist or something one day. But a lot of the memories I have are around being nervous about um, saying passages out loud. You know, I would stutter while reading these passages out loud and no one else mm. did. So I think that was when I really started to feel alone in it and that I, no one else had this stuttering issue that I had. So yeah, it definitely stopped me from doing a lot of things that I really wanted to do because I'd rather be seen as normal than putting myself in a situation where I had to stutter. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and same here, it's like, I remember I was in college, I, I went to OSC for school when I was there, but I think on my like last year of college or whatever, and I was, I'm an art major, or I was an art major, and I had to take a class, I think some kind of women's study class, like women's literature, and the professor I had, she like literally wanted us to like talk out loud every single class about the book they were reading at the time, and like if you didn't do that, you would lose points, so I was like, crap. <laughs> So I had to like, I had okay. to, I had to do this. And so like, I think it was like one of our finals we had or like midterms. And we literally had to like sit in this big circle and like present, like you have to like basically lead the entire class for an hour. And it was my turn. And I was like, I'm not doing this. Like, no, because leading up to that, every class I had with her, like I would try to like raise my hand, but like, again, like you're saying, the anxiety comes up. You're just like, I don't want to go through this because it's just like different. I think for people who are introverted or just shy, it's like you're just, you don't really want to put yourself out there. But I think when you have a speech influency and you do want to put yourself out there and the anxiety comes up, it just is a different feeling. And it's kind of hard to explain, but it's like, it's like this weird side where it's like, okay, like I want to do this really, really bad. I know that I can, but I also, other side, it's just like, but I'd rather not because I don't want people to see me as different or judge me. So that was like constantly in my head because I had really good ideas. I just didn't know how to like say them. And I'd never told her that I cluttered because at the time I was still in that that um headspace of like how to disclose. Like it was a lock on for me like that year. It was this is like before COVID too. Um, but anyway, yeah, I understand what you're saying about hiding and not being seen as like weird or like unnormal or like unnatural. Um, so do you think there's any stigmas around stuttering at all? still yes especially in a lot of articles in the media like even recently um there was a headline about a soccer player in the, the, the uk 
and they put in the headline, this person suffers from stuttering. And so I feel like there's in so many of the headlines I see around a person who stutters, there's always a negative word attached to, to it, like suffer, suffers from stuttering, or I can't think of anything else, but they're out there. And so, yes, I do think there is this like stigma still that stuttering is a bad thing, which is super problematic. I think a lot of it does stem from even these older references in popular culture around the stuttering that just emphasizes um, that stuttering is just a negative thing, whether it's like a butt of a joke or seen as being nervous or incompetent, you know, the list goes on. So I, yes, I definitely think there is still stigma and that's why it's so important for people like us to like really make sure that 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 that's not the only narrative out there, but we have our own stories and our platforms that were hopefully long term starting to, to chip away at those stigmas. Yeah. And I think your podcast is doing that slowly. Um, just because I didn't know there's so many people out there, I know people stuttered, but I didn't know so many people out there stuttered who are like musicians and writers and film directors and like there's just so many people out there who do like really cool stuff who stutter and I, I remember I went to the NSA National Studying Association site like just like scrolling through it before our podcast and I saw a lot of celebrities like Marilyn Monroe who stutter and I, I know Joe Biden does too but I just think that your podcast is dismantling this stigma that people who stutter are like you know, are always nervous or shy, but that's obviously not the case because plenty of people out there, like our president, who is talking, like who talks all the time and obviously isn't shy, but he stutters. So I think that you're right about these stigmas having to be, they're just myths and they have to be dismantled. Um, so did you have any shame around your diagnosis at all? Or like, do you think that you had more, sh- if, if you did have shame, do you have any shame diagnosis, like more so, well, as an adult or as like a child I know for me it's like I don't really care my cluttering until after high school so I don't know if that's the same for you yeah definitely I know that was there in middle school but I can really recall it in high school and college so yeah there was a lot of shame around my stutter in in high school I had a job as part of associated student body where um, I was like the broadcast journalism person where my role when I got it was to appear like on a like a consistent basis on the TV program of our school and give an update. I just couldn't do it. Like, I don't know how, but I just got away with never having to go on TV, mm-hmm. even though that was my job. So oh, wow. it was so weird because like, when I got it, I was so excited. And then when I was like about to do it, I just always made up an excuse or just got out of it somehow, which is so frustrating because I knew I could do it right. and I really wanted to do it, but I didn't want to be seen at, in front of my whole school. I mean, they wouldn't even have labeled me as a stutter. They just la- labeled me as like, oh, she doesn't know, you know, what she's talking about or something. So. So yeah, that's the first thing. And then the second thing in college, 
I felt a lot of shame around my stutter. It was kind of like this weight that carried me throughout college where there was, I, I was finding out about all these cool things that I could do after college. And every time I'd really think about myself in these roles, I'd always be like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. Oh, this is so awesome. But I'm not gonna be able to do that because, because all the things that really were attracted to me involved public speaking. And so there was just always this shame and like, I just, yeah, that I just couldn't do anything and that I wasn't worthy to be able to, to do that, those things. Yeah. Um, again, similarities here. <laughs> um, I teach, well, I used to teach um, K through high school art classes and after school program. And I love, like, I love teaching kids art. I love teaching. And I think one of the things that, because I would have done it, I, I, I started doing that probably like my last year of high school, going to college, like teaching after school, not after school, but most of my program. So like teaching kids like art this camp and I love that job but I remember being just so scared because I was like what if I like they judge me like they're little kids like whatever but still I was so nervous about them like judging me about cluttering because I was so focused on that that I couldn't focus on the benefit of how I'd feel after I'd finished a job or like benefit of me feeling you know really happy teaching them or like even thinking about them and them learning new things from me I was so focused on my own self and my own insecurities that I couldn't see the benefit of like what can happen on the other side so i think there's this common theme of people with speech influencies how we're always thinking about like oh the negative part of like a job we may want and it like it's really sad because i think a lot of times it's like we know that this thing that we want would make us feel so good but it's like is that worth us putting ourselves out there and putting ourselves through this like challenge or mountain and I, I think in learning now as I got older, like, yeah, like it is worth it. And so recently I joined a club called Toastmasters where I had to like literally say a speech every once a week. And at first, like I hated doing it. Like I actually despised, I was miserable, but like I'm on my, I think sixth speech now and I'm beginning to actually enjoy it. Like I'm beginning to actually like talking about my own topics and my own things and bringing knowledge to people who may not know certain stuff. So I feel like after a while, and I also disclose to them, like I clutter after my one of my first speech things, so they know about my, you know, speech influency. It's still a little tough, but it's like I feel like every speech I get a little bit more better and more comfortable with talking about whatever. So I know that you you're obviously a, a white woman and you've stuttered. Do you think there's any like like if there's any differences between different races or genders when it comes to stuttering? I know that. Um, I feel like for black males, I think it's like a different like experience, but I'm not sure for you how your experience is. Yeah. I, I mean, I de definitely feel a sense of privilege being a white woman who stutters, but also being a white woman with a stutter. If a woman do doesn't speak up in the workplace, maybe like they're labeled as shy or, you know, if you're stuttering during like a professional setting that could be deemed as unprofessional. So I do think that there's like more expectation among women, especially in the workplace to, um, uh, you know, to talk a certain way and, 
um, to carry yourself a certain way. And so sometimes stuttering can get in the way of that. Um, one of the things that I'm trying to do with, with proud stutter is diversify the people I, um, have on the, the show because one of the things I did after my first season, I, I did a listener survey and 89% of respondents were white people. And so that just made me realize like, why am I not reaching a diverse, a more diverse audience? And so I'm really trying with like every season to think of creative ways to get this show in in front of more audiences um and so like for season two i i really wanted to like invite more people from different backgrounds we had one episode where it was all about stuttering in latino families and um that there was another one where we talked about stuttering in the filipino culture and so i'm really trying to like build in a lot of these intersectionalities around stuttering because right now it is very white dominated. I think for season three, I'm really hoping to do more live events in communities where it's more diverse and really get people to engage with the content, even if it might not be through audio, because not everyone, not every culture, not every community listens to podcasts. So how can we expand that a little bit? Yeah, I love that. I think a lot of podcasts that I've played in the past, um, you know, kind of have this certain audience, like no matter what the theme is. So whether it's be about like stuttering or disabilities or, you know, like even about manifestation or fashion, I don't know. They're always like the same kinds of just audiences and people talking about like these different things but i feel like it's always from one voice and one perspective and part of my podcast is trying to be very diverse so like by season one i had all different kinds of people with different different disabilities because i'm like i really believe in you know people being inclusive and equitable and diverse you know as much as they can and i feel like you kind of miss out when you don't expose yourself to different cultures or backgrounds you know and also the idea of like how can we be more accessible so like i'm thinking about you know adding captions to my podcast and also like even thinking about like i don't know this but even fonts and podcast matters so like i had no idea so like originally my podcast font was it wasn't hard to read but i'm like if, it, if someone who's low vision was reading this they probably couldn't read it very well so i've just been learning so much about how to be more accessible and more diverse in my own podcast show too um, and also, I feel like you're right about genders and um, sexuality in terms of um, like stuttering or cluttering, because I find even with myself, like being a woman, a young black woman, I like have so many things I have to like look like and seem like, and especially in the workplace. And I feel like sometimes I didn't fit those molds because not just because I cluttered, but also because I'm an artist. And so like, I don't like always looking a certain way every day. Like I like looking different. Like I wear wigs, I my and I, I wear makeup here and there, but I just like being creative individual. And I feel like sometimes gender roles and stereotypes kind of hinder me from doing that. Even though I tend to like go outside the box, I have a lot of friends who are scared to do certain things. My boyfriend, like he was scared to wear braids to work at one point. And I was like, just do it. Like, what are they gonna do? Like if they fire, you can always sue them for discrimination. 
So, you know, just little things that we think about when it comes to speech influencies. Um, and my other question was, so I know that it was kind of a challenge for you to accept your stuttering, but when you once you did um, with your podcast and everything, how did you disclose to people at your job and your family and your friends that you stuttered? So at the time of starting the podcast, I like was not happy at work. I I actually did end up talking to some people ab- about it at work. And I even ended up joining a disability like advisory committee because I worked at a government agency. And so there was this, this, this opportunity to join other people with disabilities and advise the state agency around things to, to make the things more accessible. So that was really cool. And then shortly after that, I ended up getting a new job which I love so much now. I'm like obsessed with my new job and I still love it. I've I've been there like about a year, a a little over a year and a half. And I disclosed right away and it was the best feeling ever. Like I felt so accepted and I felt so myself and I've never done that in the workplace before. And so it's just such a it's such a new feeling and I just love it because I've always hidden that part of myself because I've been mostly when I was starting in the PR, which is a very like, you need to speak a certain way because you need to like, like the main part of my job was getting reporters to cover stories. And so I was constantly just like trying to convince people to listen to me and agree on what I was kind of selling them. So not the best job for a person who stutters, lots of ableism. But, you know, during that time, I never felt like, oh, this is ableism or, oh, this is, you know, not an inclusive work environment. It was always about me and me not being adequate. And so I just wish I kind of had more of that language and more of that empowerment because maybe I could have really helped make that organization more inclusive, but it's better late than never, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. um, I just, your answers are all so good, but I didn't think about either. Like I didn't really, I didn't really um, understand at first what disabilities, like what that all included. So I always thought disabilities always meant physical things that you could see, like someone who's in a wheelchair or someone who's blind or like does ASL. Like I didn't think it was eternal things either because I feel like I had this kind of image in my head of what disability looks like and I was obviously so wrong. So when we talk about ableism in, re- in regards to speech influencies, I'm like everything everything in my head now is clicking because I'm just like that makes a lot of sense I feel like especially with jobs um like even when you apply for a job and they like say, ask you like your disability they don't really include like speech influencies as one I feel like they should but they don't and that's obviously a problem um but yeah I think ableism is really big especially in media 
like in TV and songs, like even songs I hear nowadays still mention the word stuttering like it's a bad thing. And I'm like, why are we acting like stutterings like this abnormal, like alien thing when it's really not? And then I just wish that TV would be more inclusive too. I think um, it's kind of, what's it called? Like it's, it's this weird fantasy people like on tv people like with our actors like they'll be talking and their lines sound so fluent and so perfect i'm like no one talks, talks like this in real life like even people who are fluent they sometimes will like stammer on a word or stutter on a word and it's just like no one talks as perfect in reality <laughs> and so i just wish yeah. that tv especially like talk shows would just be like more real like you don't have to always sound so perfect and like flowy like it can be a little like jumbled like I like that and that's like very authentic um and so one of my last questions for you was how can society do a better job of creating environments that are easier for speech influencies or disorders to adapt to yeah I was thinking about th this and it actually relates perfectly to what we've been talking about you you mentioned the experience you had in college and that's class where you had to you know um kind of I guess facilitate one of the um one of the classes and leading the conversation and it 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 made me think about this professor I met um last year Richard Herder, and he is, I believe, a communications professor. Um, but anyway, like one of the, the things that he does on his syllabus is, you know, every syllabus has to have like an ADA spiel at the bottom. So he actually added like, oh, and if you have like a speech d disability or a stutter, like feel free to come see me. We can chat about it. And just by adding that one sentence, in addition to, you know, the, the, the standard one, he, he, at least every class has one person who stutters, see him in, in his office and they like work through like how to best adapt and like move forward in the class. And so that's just like one simple thing. Every single teacher professors can do at the beginning of class is just open that space up. So that's the first thing. The second thing is you mentioned interviews. And I think that employers should do kind of something similar where when they say like accommodations, make sure that they include, like if you have a speech um, di disability, like we want to make sure we're working with you. So if you need more time, let, let, let us know, or, you know, something like that, because the 30 minute interviews are so hard for us. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely are. I am. Um, I think for me, I had, I had to learn like in my cover letter that I've sent for like jobs, like I got this new job that I work with that I, I also just love. And in my cover letter, I put like, I have a disability and I just put it down. Like I feel they just knew like when we, had, when we had the interview, so this this may or may not happen. That way I didn't have to go in feeling so anxious about it. And they just, I, I think I put in the emails what I sent to the, the program. Um, so like they just understood from like the get-go, but I think that it's important for them to also extend the extra mile and to put it in 
you know, their own like application as well. And especially professors who teach speech classes or who require students to talk in the classes, I feel like they kind of, I don't want to say um, like disregard, like some people who have speech influencies, it's like just that extra like support like you were saying of like, oh, if you have this, like, let me know and we can work through it. Because I feel like you know, people who do speech influencies, they shouldn't be scared to join a speech class, especially if, they, especially if it's a prerequisite for like a certain major or minor. Like they shouldn't be scared to join your class because they might stutter or clutter or whatever the case may be. They should enjoy and feel safe in that environment. And I think that it's really hard to feel safe when like the teacher, the teacher, the teacher, the teacher, the teacher, the teacher, the teacher doesn't even like um, give you like their support or like you don't know if they're even aware of what stuttering and cluttering is and, you know, um, how it can affect your speech or your emotional well-being. So I think that your response was really great with that. Um, that was a lot of happy Maya. Like this was such a great talk. I'm, I know. I literally was thinking about this interview since the fall. Like I really want to interview. Her. <laughs> oh, I'm just yeah. Like, and like I don't know. I I just want to say thank you for your podcast. I feel like it was so like you were saying earlier, well needed because there isn't much out there about stutterings. I think a lot of people who do stutter it's like we're so afraid to talk about it like it's just like hidden secret that we're like scared to like say out loud literally and so i'm just glad that you were brave enough and courageous enough to just do that because i think that you have made some of people's lives just easier and they don't feel so alone i know i didn't when i first heard your podcast so i just want to say th- i just want to say thank you for that oh i'm <laughs> so happy to hear that yeah no i'm so excited this is I'm I'm so excited we did this. Yeah, I am too. Well, that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much to Simone for having me on her podcast, The Clutter Queen. You can follow Simone by going to her website, theclutterqueen.com. That's two E's in the. You could also follow her on Instagram at theclutterqueen. She's also on Facebook and Twitter. That's it for this episode of Proud Stutter. This episode of Proud Stutter was produced and edited by me, Maya Chupkov. Our music was composed by Augusto Denise and our artwork by Mara Ezekiel and Noah Chupkov. If you have an idea or want to be part of a future episode, visit us at www.proudstutter.com. And if you like the show, you can leave us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Want to leave us a voicemail? Check out our show notes for the the number to call in. More importantly, tell your friends to listen too. Until we meet again, thanks for listening. Be proud and be you.